Our scripture reading this morning will be from Psalms 78, verses 5 through 7. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Hello. Hi, how are you? Oh, thank you. It's been a good Father's Day. This is a surprise, 9 p.m. here. What's that make it, 3 a.m. there? Well, what are you doing awake? Uh, A training exercise, Uh uh-huh. Well, yeah, it is a a good time to call. Any time is a good time. You know that. We miss you. We love hearing your voice. Wake us up if that's what it takes. I, I mean it. Uh, no. Now, your mom's on her way home. Oh, I don't know what time. She spent the night last night at Aunt Karen's. What? <laughs> What'd she do? November 12th. Well, I'm so glad for you two. I guess I can wish you a happy Father's Day now. Oh, your mom's going to be sorry she wasn't here for this news. I I won't tell her. I'll let you tell her, but you better tell her tonight because I don't think I can keep this from her. Well, well, I'm glad to have a chance for just you and I to talk, too. Is there something specific on your mind? Well, well, that does my heart good that you're thinking about that. God is always at work in our world, turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. You want to be a good dad, and that's what God wants for you. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Well, well, maybe, but it doesn't just happen, you know. I mean, you have to work at it. That's, that's not quite the right way to say it. Work isn't, isn't quite the right word here, though it does involve work at times, sometimes hard work. It's better to say, though, you need to aim for it. You, you need the purpose to do it. But, but let's be clear here. You really want to know what makes a godly father, not just a good one, Right? Yeah, there, there, is, there is a difference. You remember that old brown station wagon we used to have when we lived in Illinois? Vaguely, huh? Well, I guess you might have called that a good car. I mean, we drove it forever all around town, but we would never have attempted to drive that across country. For something like that, you, you, you need a car that you know will get you where you're going. And it takes a godly dad to get his kids where they really need to go. Well, I I suppose I'd summarize it like this. If you really want to be a godly dad, first, 
You need to be right with God yourself, and then you need to love, really love your kids and help them to know God. Most men do love their children. I, I know that, yeah. But they don't have many good examples of what that ought to look like in life. The emotions alone are not enough. They're, they're good as far as they go, but they don't inform you on what you need to do and how to go about it. Most guys fall into the trap of thinking all they have to do is make sure their family's provided for. And that, that comes naturally. But God wants a man to see farther than that. that that's only the beginning. Their hearts have to be turned to their children. Oh, yeah, what I said was, uh, if you really want to be a godly dad, you need to be right with God yourself and then love your kids and help them to know God. There's more that could be said, of course. If I were talking to someone else, uh, I'd stress the importance of loving your wife. I mean, kids really need that, but I know how much you're already in loving your wife. Yeah, yep, there is. There's a passage that says pretty much just that, and... um, and I actually talked about it uh, this morning. Uh, it's First Thessalonians um, chapter two, um, yeah, verses ten through twelve. Well, I, I know you're driving. I'll email it to you. There's a lot more in the Bible about the subject, but this isn't a bad place to start. Uh, I'll read it to you in just a minute. But first, let me tell you, Paul is not talking about what it means to be a good father, but he's using a good or a godly father as an example. So that reveals some of his thinking about fatherhood. Uh huh. And, and as Paul writes, he includes Silas and Timothy in his remarks. And so he begins by saying, You are witnesses, and what is it again? You are witnesses, and so is God, of how righteous, holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. Well, I'm getting there. Hold on. <laughs> But would you agree with me that Paul was saying here that he and Silas and Timothy were right with God themselves? Isn't that what being holy and righteous and blameless means? <laughs> you did hear something out of all those sermons I preached after all. You're right, I suppose you couldn't help it. I did rather repeat myself when it comes to that, didn't I? I still do, though. So many people think self-righteous when they hear righteous or holier than thou instead of holy when they hear those words and i have to guard against that and and you 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 have both of those misunderstood words in that one phrase so do you remember how i help people understand the real meaning of those words yeah holy means good but yeah you kind of have to say it that way they're holy people they're set apart for good to do good to be good and to live good And saying it like that helps people to understand what holy really means. Even if they don't have a concept of God, even if they have the wrong one. How about righteous? Do you you remember that? No? Well, it means being right. That's it, being right with God and others. I'm feeling pretty good here, Bo. Keep it up. Well, explaining those words like that gives them warmth and life. That's a far cry from that cold idea that the world has about them. What do people think when they hear the word blameless? I'm not sure. Probably someone who never does anything. (laughs) But you can state blameless positively using a phrase like endeavoring to live an honest life, a clean life. It's not that blameless people never sin. They try not to, but they do, of course. Uh, But when they do, they turn from it right away. They don't excuse it. 
Yeah, you, you've got it. Yeah, yeah, I'm impressed. The only way anyone could ever remotely be holy, righteous, and blameless, or in my way of putting it, set apart for good, being right with God and others, and living an honest, clean life, if they have a real relationship, a real ongoing relationship with God. And that means being right with God themselves. Well, think of it this way. If your life is like a mirror, when, when, you're, when you're facing God, when you're focused on Him, you, you can't help but reflect Him to those around you. That's what makes a man or a woman holy, righteous, and blameless. Well, th- definitely. You can see how reflecting God in that way in your life can matter to others, and it is especially true for your children. In, in fact, there, there's a proverb that basically says... Uh, the person who's in awe of God is secure and his children are protected. It really matters. Now, I don't remember the chapter first, but I'll look it up and I'll email that to you too. But Paul makes the connection you asked about earlier. He relates what we've been talking about to fatherhood. And let me read it again and I'll add a little bit. Uh, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. So when Paul thought about fathers, a good father, a godly father, that's the kind of man he thought about. One who was holy, righteous, and blameless. One who was right with God himself. And yes. Loving your wife is certainly part of that. How can you be right with God if you're not right with your wife? The Bible says that a division between you and your wife hinders even your prayers. Well, that, that's, that's, no, that's in the next verse, verse 12. Verse 12 tells us how Paul dealt with the Thessalonians, which is how a godly dad would deal with their children. But before we go there, I want you to notice what Paul said. He dealt with each of them. Well, I suppose you could say he treated them fairly. Uh, that's a much misunderstood word. Yeah, you've heard that lecture too, huh? <laughs> but fairly doesn't necessarily mean identical treatment. Everyone's an individual. Everyone is different with different needs, wants, desires, weaknesses, and strengths. And when they're in need, they need individual care. There's no one-size-fits-all. You got it. Your children are different and require different things from you. You may try to give them the same gifts at Christmas. We always try to be fair there. But what they need from you is is different for each. Just like you and Earl. (laughs) You guys were so different. You still are. But I'm glad you're getting along better these days. Well, I'd watch basketball on TV with you, and I'd let Earl watch and hand me tools and help me when I was fixing something. No, I I didn't usually watch basketball. I did that with you because you liked it so much. Yeah, Godly Dad pays attention to all his kids. There there aren't any favorites, and he'll know them, and he'll know that each are different, and and he'll know also that, that each of them was made the way they were made. They were made the way God intended Well, certainly. Verse 12 tells you how a godly dad's love for his children translates into action. How his love is focused. So, if I read from verse 11. uh, You know that we dealt with 
each of you, as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live godly lives, worthy, uh, lives worthy of God, who, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. Yeah, three things. They're all expressions of a father's love, but it's good to know how to focus that love. Encouragement, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. There are a lot of Greek words in the New Testament that could be translated as encouragement, but I happen to know this one comes from a word that means to call out. A, a fan in the stadium cheering on his team? Yeah, yeah, that, that could work, but, but how about this one? Uh, maybe it's a little bit better. The team captain saying, let's go get them, guys, because he's in it together with them. He's cheering them on, but he, he's going with them on that journey. That's the kind of encouragement we want. It's saying, I'm in your corner. You're going to do this, but I'm here to help you all the way. I really wish I'd done a better job of that. (laughs) Thanks. That's kind, but I know I could have done better. But I appreciate you offering me comfort, which is what we need to do when we fail. And that's what Paul says next. He focuses our love by telling us to offer comfort when needed. So that team captain who said, let's go get them, but they got got instead, he'll offer the appropriate comfort. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a hard-edged football team, maybe comforting someone means you don't call them an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> but with kids, they need more than that. They need to know that you care and that you understand. You hug them. You put your arm around them. You tell them it's okay, or, or I know it's, it isn't easy. It, it'll get better. You do what you need to to help them when they're down. That was a, a really little thing, but when you were small and learning how to tie your shoes, you'd sit on the floor and you'd complain about how hard it was, and I'd say, you're doing fine. You have to learn. You're already better and faster than you used to be, and that's encouraging, and you'd keep on tying those shoes, and Maybe not the best job in the world, but you you did it, and you you felt good about it. But sometimes you'd be tired or hungry or upset about something else, and tying your shoes was overwhelming. So I'd tie them for you, and I'd say, it's all right. Daddy will help you this time. We all need help sometimes. That's comforting. Not a big step, I know, but, but I did both of those things because I loved you. Well, yeah, the last one is pretty interesting. A godly dad urges or implores or better, he challenges or charges his children to live godly lives. That's what God's calling them to do. And so dad and God are on the same page if dad's doing this. Well, it means pointing them in the right direction. It means telling them what the right direction is. It means keeping them moving in the right direction. Encouragement and comfort helps our children on the journey as they make their way. This is getting them to make the right journey, getting them on the right path and keeping them there. Yeah. Well, the first most important thing you can do is pray for them. I, I mean... The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Well, you can think about your prayers this way, as though they open up fresh avenues of God's grace to flow into their lives. Now, you're not trying to convince God. He already loves them, and he wants them in his kingdom. And what you're doing when you're praying, you're, you're adding 
You're adding your spiritual voice to his as he calls your children. You're working together with him to bring your children home. Yes, and and praying for them. It opens you up to new sensitivity about them. It, It allows God to give you insight into their lives that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Uh, Oh, no, no. In the wrong hands, knowledge can hurt. I mean, if you knew your child is struggling in some way, you might confront them and expose them and drive them inward when maybe what you should have done, and your mom and I did this often with you kids, maybe what you should have done is simply know and watch for a chance to encourage and maybe speak in their hearing about similar struggles. Yeah, then he can. Maybe confronting them is the right way, but you don't know unless you're led. That's the point. And God leads you by prayer as he gives you insight into their lives. And then the next most important thing you can do is lead them yourself. You show them the right way by going that way yourself. You know what? If you're a fake, your kids are going to know it before anyone else. And instead of helping them, you'll be hurting them. Instead of giving them a foundation they can stand on and build on, you'll be cutting the ground from under them. Thanks. We tried. I'm sure we could have done better. Another vital thing is that you make sure your kids are in church every Sunday. Missing a Sunday should be a rare exception. You are the adult. You're the responsible one, and whether you like it or not, you're responsible to God for your children here. Yeah, yeah. Taking your kids to church every Sunday demonstrates to them how valuable church is. And if you don't value it, I assure you they will not. And you already know how important I think Sunday school is to everyone, especially kids. Well, certainly that too. Get them involved in other Christian activities like Ruth Group or Awana. Uh, you're, You're so right church is not a substitute for a godly father or godly parents but it is god's way of working in our world today and next to the holy spirit and god himself the best resource or co-worker a parent can have is the church well one more thing sometimes an opportunity will present itself when you can talk about the faith you can bring it into the situation in a natural and powerful way uh-huh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Maybe you were, what, 10 years old at that time, and, and, and that little boy had done something that really upset you, and you said he was, he was really mean to you, right? Yeah, I remember. You knew he was being bad, and it dawned on you that that little boy might go to hell. Oh, I'll bet you had mixed emotions. I mean, horror that he might go to such an awful place and a temptation to be glad of it? Yeah, it was one of those times when God just guided us. We all understood we needed to pray for that little boy, and we did. Those things are so valuable. You did it with me. I did it. Your mom, your brother, we did what Christians should do, and it's obvious it's had an effect on you, huh? Yeah. So you look for those opportunities, but I think if you're not walking with God yourself, you're going to miss them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Encouragement and comfort 
helps our children on the journey when they're on the right journey. Challenging or charging them to live godly lives is how you get them to make that right journey. And then when they stray off the path, discipline. Yeah, discipline points them back into the right direction. (laughs) Now you're just showing off. But you're right. Discipline is a broader term. It doesn't just mean correction or punishment, but it's an appropriate use of the word. Oh, uh, a lot of confusion since our society's turned away from God. I mean, you have people that think that they just need to get out of the way and let the child's natural goodness develop. When they have children, they're going to be in for a kind of rude awakening. People like that would say a good father is someone who doesn't interfere with his children. But I can tell you Kids need a good deal of interfering with. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember having to interfere with you then. What what were you, about 12? There I am, the pastor in a small town where everyone knows everything. And the police show up on my doorstep telling my my son is breaking windows in an abandoned warehouse. (laughs) Yeah, I bet they're still talking about it. Well, what was it we made you do? That's right. That's right. What, was it hard to apologize to that policeman when he was standing there towering over you and looking down? Oh, I, I'm sure it was. And we made you pay for those windows too, didn't we? You had to work it off, right? Oh, I bet you liked that. <laughs> I know that. I know that. I really do. I know that was a turning point for you. I've always thought so. You, you got back on the right road at that time. That's the point of discipline. It's interfering with kids when they're going the wrong direction. Hey, hey listen, while, I, while we're on this subject, I, I want to ask you a question. You know, Proverbs 13.24 says, whoever spares the rod hates their children. And the one who loves their children, I'm careful to discipline them. So Rod's like a thin stick, a switch, which wouldn't bruise or cut. So we, we spanked you kids. Now I want to ask you, do you think I spanked you guys a whole lot when you were little? No? Only a few times? A- and you think it hurt just enough to get your attention? <laughs> That's really the way I remembered it. A few spankings seemed to work motivational wonders. Why, why do you think that was? Uh-huh. Oh, I agree. I I felt the same way when I was a child. I knew my mom and dad meant business when it came to right and wrong, and I knew there were consequences for my behavior. (laughs) Yeah, and I knew my parents would spank me again if necessary. A pretty good deterrent, huh? That's right. As you got older, other consequences were much more effective. Yeah, that's right. Spanking wasn't even considered when you broke those windows. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I knew my parents loved me because they wanted me to grow up the right way. I always knew they were doing what they thought best. I'll never forget the time. You kids, Adeline, gosh, she wasn't she wasn't even in her teens yet. We were in a restaurant where, where some young children were really misbehaving, and the parents, they had no clue and no control. And I don't remember which one of you said it, but you all agreed. You were so glad. You said that we didn't let you guys behave that way. Even at that young age, you saw the value of it. 
Oh, I've heard that argument. But it certainly did not make you kids violent, nor me or my brother or, or any of the kids in my extended family who are raised the way we were. It helped us to stay on the right path. I think if a parent is always spanking their kids, something is wrong somewhere. Spanking with a soft open hand on the bottom is really only appropriate with small children. They really pretty quickly grow out of it, but in my experience, it can do a world of good. And that's pretty much what the passage says. Be right with God yourself. Love your children. Help them to come to God. And you you look at that when you get a chance. And you let me know if you see anything else there, okay? Oh, yeah, it's a lot being a parent. Being a dad is a big deal. You'll, you'll have a powerful influence on your children. I'll pray for you. That's the best way I can help. Be right with God yourself. Love your children. Encourage them, comfort them, move them toward God. Discipline them when they need it. You do all that and you'll be on the right road, heading in the right direction. And you'll be bringing your children along with you. <laughs> hey, your mom just walked in. Hey, Ann, it's Bo. He wants to talk to you. He has something to tell you. Uh, real quick, I, I did a similar message to that uh, probably about, I'm guessing, uh, 20 years ago, maybe 23 years ago, uh, when my two boys were very little boys, and I actually used my son Earl in the context, a different message today, but same kind of a thing with a phone call. And I didn't use him today because I thought people would uh, think, oh, so they're going to have a baby. If they are, I don't know anything about it, but the rest of you know Bo's not even married yet. You can pray for that. Um, I just want to say happy Father's Day to all of you. Um, we, we love you guys so much. We're so glad we're part of this church and a part of your lives. We're glad um, that you're part of our life too. You mean the world to us. I'd like to pray if I could, please. Father, thank you for um, just your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Lord, um, that you are our Father and that you, um, you always do everything right. And the rest of us, Lord, we just kind of stumble along and we make mistakes. We get things turned around and mixed up, Lord, but we just keep moving. We just keep going in that right direction and we keep trusting you. And somehow, Lord, you bring good out of it and we thank you for it. For all the men that are here today that are fathers or who one day will be fathers, I pray for them. I pray, Lord, that they would understand what a high powerful calling it is and that they would make up their minds to lead their children into the kingdom where they will know joy happiness peace and goodness and most of all know you who love them so much in Jesus name Amen Let's stand and worship one more time. Oh, oh.
before you head out today, um, take a look around you. You'll notice all the decorations. We got VBS coming up this week. I want to say thank you to Heather for arranging all that and everybody that came out yesterday to help decorate. Six to eight every night this week, right here, VBS. If you haven't signed up, it's okay. Still bring your kids out. If you'd like to volunteer, we could also use your help. It's going to be a great week. And the way that we end VBS every year, uh, actually, it's only been one year, right? <laughs> Hasn't it? Second annual. Second year. Second <laughs> annual. Um, we are going to be having church service next week at the beach, at Conquest Beach. Come out and join us. It's going to be 11 o'clock. Uh, we're going to have food. We're going to have our service down there. We're going to have baptisms. If you're interested in baptism, after hearing Pastor Larry last week talk about baptism, uh, please come and talk to Pastor Larry or myself. Uh, there is still time to get in on that. Uh, it would be a great thing. But uh, please come join us. If you don't know where that is, uh, you can punch it in your GPS, or there are maps out uh, in the lobby. And also in the lobby are those baskets that uh, Brian was talking about as well. So thank you so much for being with us today. If you're a guest or a visitor, we hope you've enjoyed your time, that you got a welcome packet, um, and hopefully you'll join us next week. So have a great week, and happy Father's Day to everybody. Mm-hmm.